friends, welcome to Silo Busting. I'm your host, Allison Coden, an interaction designer at EPAM Continuum. If cybersecurity is a muscle, what helps us flex? How do we know we're strong enough, and is strength really all we need? After all, from Homer, the epic poet, not Simpson, to Muhammad Ali, to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we know that it takes brains as well as brawn to defeat a clever adversary. In this Cybersecurity by Design episode of Silo Busting, Sam Raymond, our Chief Information Security Officer and SVP, talks zero trust and mobile with Rule Cars, CEO of GuardSquare. It's a little alarming to be reminded just how very vulnerable we are, extending our smartphones and IoT devices with their fragile onboard security into a wilderness of copycat apps and malware. My trusty iPhone is doubtless a treasure trove of financial data, personal details, relationships, health statuses, the mundanities that slide invisible and unconsidered through my daily interactions. I try to be smart about passwords and downloads, but the phishing email I fell for last week suggests that, unlike malicious hackers, I don't have the bandwidth to consider every possible avenue for mayhem of the digital kind. Luckily for all of us, wily smarts aren't the sole province of bad actors in cyberland. Let's hear from Rule and Sam about how developers and security companies are building both muscle and brainpower to give us a little warrior, boxer, or Supreme Court justice inside every app we download. Hey, Rule. Thank you so much for joining us. Good to talk to you again. Um, we have been talking about, uh, for the last few um, sessions in the podcast, around zero trust, around how we can no longer trust the network and, and environment. We never really should, but this whole perspective of, you know, oh, yeah, it's secure by default. It's just a false sense of security. And um, I've known you for these years, and, and I just want to, you know, get your thoughts around around what do you think um, – what do you think we can do about this sense of vulnerability, especially around code on mobile and, and that's outside of perimeter, but maybe just to start, you know, I know you obviously, but for the audience, if you don't mind just giving us a quick intro about you and, and, and your company, it'll be great. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. And thank you for the invitation to join uh, this conversation. Um, well, I'm uh, Rul Kaars. I'm the CEO at GuardSquare. We are the global market leader in the protection of mobile applications. So we protect uh, mobile apps against hackers and reverse engineering uh, in a B2B environment, of course, uh, business to business. And uh, we've always been uh, working with the idea of zero trust in the back of our minds to answer your question. Uh, because, well, once you created your application, you've built it, your app, you upload it in a store, and then it's out there in the wild. And as a producer of the, the application, you don't know what will happen to it or how it will be downloaded, where it will be downloaded, where it will be installed. So you don't know the user, you don't know the device, you don't know the network they're running on. So when we make software to protect these applications, we have to start with the zero trust idea. And it's very important that, that people who develop sensitive apps, that they are also aware of everything that is possible and can be done to, to applications, to mobile applications. Yeah, it, it's actually really interesting how how the, the whole app economy, the app store concept opened up, how everybody could write software, could sell software, could, could run on these platforms. But I, I think um, I was actually debating with somebody uh, not too long ago around what about controls on the operating system? But the operating system were designed based on the premise of, you know, they were in control and protecting the operating system itself. But if you don't know where your application is going to run on, it, it's crazy to rely on the operating system because it could be running on jailbroken. It could be running on anything. It could be running on a simulator. Um, so so it's really a, a sense that it's a different perspective from looking at how do you build a secure application, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, it is because well, we do a few things. So we we protect the apps, so they they uh, we raise the bar to reverse engineering and, and and raise the bar for hackers. But we also monitor the real time use of the application. So in a very interesting uh, fact that we learned while monitoring is that sensitive apps in general run on two three percent of the devices where they run on it's on malicious devices jailbroken or something else done to the device and that's a lot it's, it's a much higher than, than a lot of people estimated a few years ago and this big change we saw it happening between let's say 2018 2009 because uh, 2018 2019 sorry because that was the moment where the number of transactions on mobile got bigger than on desktop applications and that's the moment also where where hackers get more and more interested in what's going on in the mobile world and and if you see that two to three percent of the devices is absolutely not secure, that is a big issue. Right, and and a funny thing was I, I was uh, speaking at twenty twenty many years ago. I was still at um, ArcSend back then, and and uh, I was speaking at a conference twenty twenty, and I asked the audience, "How many jailbroken devices do you think it's needed in the whole world?" Um, for you to be concerned about, and somebody says, "I don't know, a hundred. I don't know, a thousand. I don't know, two thousand." And I said, just one. And I raised one that I was holding at the time because one is all you need to run iClutch, decrypt it, to, to, to figure out what's inside the application. One is honestly all you need because it can tap onto the app store. So I, I think the misconception was that, you know, well, it's not very widespread. But to your point, one or two percent is actually extremely high considering that's in the hands of bad people, the amount of damage that could be done. And, and, whatever damage that could be done potentially could be spread to the rest of the devices as well. So it's the visibility that you lost on the application that's so concerning. Imagine if there's a key that you could extract out of one of those applications from a single jailbroken device. That key is most likely the same key for a lot of the other devices. So now you're stuck with with a lot of that exposed. So I I agree with you with that. It's actually a much more severe case. I also hear the counter argument, and I think you and I, we, we smile when we hear that, but I also hear, I just want to give you a chance to, to speak to that because I think people don't understand that. They also say they don't store a lot on the mobile devices or IoT devices on the on the edge side. Um, and uh, can you speak a little bit to that around, okay, so if they don't store a lot of data on site client, you know, but obviously there are still credentials and they can still act, get access to API signatures and so on. Can you speak to a little bit about that for people to just write it off and say, don't worry about it? It's, you know, it's not that important because I don't store data on my device. Yeah, well, it, it's one of the, uh, the, the, the ideas where, where people go wrong. Eh? So what we see is that, that we still have to educate the market. Mobile is new and transactions on mobile are, are brand new. And, and people are very often not aware when they make applications, what can go wrong, what all the risks are. So it's, it's up to us and also to our uh, other players in our market to educate the, the producers of apps why it's important to do something about it. Because the same uh, search where I refer to, uh, 75% of, of the applications don't pass uh, the most basic security tests. And if you know that, uh, just a few examples in 2020, there was a 280% plus 280% increase in financial trojans in applications. And in 2019, end of 2019, uh, there were uh, more than six, uh, 65, of, no, uh, yeah, 65,000 fake apps detected in December 2019. So that is a lot. And 
to know why why all this is happening so first of all there's a certain ignorance not because they don't want to but just because they don't know and then the fact that these applications are not protected it creates a, a huge attraction to hackers and for example what can happen it's not only about data it's also about piracy or cloning or ip theft we had a customer before they started using our software that at a certain moment there were more than 45 different fake apps available in stores across the globe of their application and in these apps there was malware credentials were harvested uh, they were looking at api keys and so on so that was a huge risk and and these of this company they they learned the hard way and luckily now more and more companies do understand that mobile is important for their business they don't want to they want to suffer or don't want to suffer from revenue loss or reputational damage or even fines and retributions or the incident handling cost like with all security risks and they they work proactively on securing the applications but it is necessary because it it happens everywhere and there are so many misunderstandings for example people think that android is less secure than than uh, ios from apple but for a hacker, it doesn't matter. If your app is not protected, it happens both on iOS, on Android, and it happens to the best. 15 right. out of the 20 world's most famous brands have already been hacked. Uh, and, and of course, they've done something about it. So hackers go to some other low-hanging fruit. And, and if you don't protect your application, the, the question is not if, but just when uh, it will be breached and will something will be done. And it all has right. to do with 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 lack with lack of knowledge. I don't think that most people know that on the internet you can just download the tools to automatically reverse engineer the mobile application if it's not protected. And it only takes two or three minutes to get exactly the same code as you have written it before you built your application. And right. this is something that people should know and should be aware of. Yeah, and, and I think um, I think it's it's very interesting what you said about lookalike. I, I I think a lot of people know about lookalike websites, and they they see you know lookalike email addresses that looks like domain, and people monitor you know domain names and, and look for those. But but lookalike code and and libraries actually even I was just talking to another friend about this about lookalike you know Yum repo and so on that that's you know coming up that we've seen. Um, I, I don't think people know this. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that on on you know what are you seeing on lookalike type of mobile application that you see in an app store or um... well, yeah we we see them a lot um, and and still happening and and of course the the owners of the store they 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 work on it they do something about it but it still happens and also hackers are creative just like they use uh, phishing mails they also use mail systems or other tricks to have you another have, have another app installed it exactly looks like the original one but it's not and there are uh, by the way there are different stores and, and very important when you talk about younger people and that's why for example they jailbreak their device uh, some some games for example where you normally have to play for where you have where you buy in-app uh, uh, in-app purchases well these apps are just available for free in these uh, secondary stores, as I say, as, as we used to call them. Uh, and they just download it. They, they jailbreak their application. For some stores, by the way, it's not even necessary anymore. But it are fake apps. It are almost perfect uh, copies, but with some differences. There is malware in there. They are looking at your credentials. They, by the way, try to access other applications and so on. So there is a, there is a huge risk. A huge risk. And you only, as a producer of the application, you have to uh, protect uh, your customers. And you do that by by raising the bar and making it much more difficult to, to clone your applications. 
Right, and there's there's liability there too if you don't do the necessary steps to actually do that. And and I think one misconception I think from a user perspective was um, they thought that is is as simple as well if I'm just being careful when I search the app store I always look for the official one then it's not going to be an issue. But as you pointed out, you know breaches are no longer just one, two, three single steps. There are multiple steps chained together. It could be as you said, a targeted email first, but then a targeted email, you wouldn't trust it unless, you know, you click on it and it actually goes to an app that looks like a so-and-so application. And so it's three or four steps together that chain together that ultimately would get people hooked onto it and provide more and more information. So yeah. I, I, exactly. I, yeah. and another type, another type of, of fraud that, that often happens is applications that combine functionalities of other applications. So, right. Hey, instead of listening to one radio channel, they use our app. We combine 50 radio channels and they copy the code from the original applications, which what you can prevent, by the way, if you want. And then they add some, some malicious software in there too. So it's, it's another example of, of things that happen or the, the famous uh, flashlight apps, for example. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And, and, and that's, you know, the company's lifeline in many ways because that's that's exactly... I remember there was another large company that I was working with that um, their entire uh, advertisement monetization channel was cut off because there was a piece of code that people extracted out, figure out what their API signature is, took out, actually reused a section of a code. Like you said, they just, you know, do a, a extraction on everything that calls the API side, took out the API key, and then call it directly from their application and people were like, well, okay, so what's wrong with that? They're still calling the back end. Well, the problem is because that company was relying on a front end advertisement to, to make their business, their back end services, their back end API, all their cost in the cloud, all their API to provide, all their data. They were hoping that the front end side could display these ads. And now the impressions are all gone. And this company basically just extracting out the code. And now they run through their ad campaign and monetize based on a completely free back end. And so there, there are many of these cases where it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it really starts from the edge. And we used to say, you know, where, where, where is your touch point? Your DMZ is your touch point. You focus on a DMZ. I, I was debating with people about how I feel that the touch point is really at your mobile device, at your edge device now. That's really is the first touch point with your user and where the hacker, you know, try to approach the most. And, and with the application being there, that's a that's an area that we really should pay more focus on. It is, and, and it's completely out of your perimeter. You cannot control. You don't know which device it is. You don't know which network they're on, which Wi-Fi connection they have. You don't know anything. So if you if you don't apply your zero trust policy to the application itself, to the code, again, as I said, it's not if, it's just when it happens. Right. I, I agree. And, and so there is the problem of, and maybe I'm getting a little bit more specific, but there is the problem of the integrity of the application itself. There is a problem of the the visibility of content inside, whether something inside could be extracted out or could be easily seen, like if you embed an API key and so on. There is also the 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 problem of you know how simple it is to to replicate something out of that binary, uh, like code ex extraction and so on. So. Tell me, so what do people do? And, and maybe tell me a bit, bit about how do you approach this problem with your company? And, and, and I don't know if people know that, by the way. I, I'm, you know, obviously anybody actually use Android, you know, toolkit, 
knows they've used your tool uh, because it's you know a big part of it, if you will, for for crypting. But maybe for people who's actually not in that community, maybe describe a little bit about. So what do we do about integrity for applications and, and maybe lead into a little bit about how, you know, maybe your software and your product could help? Yeah. So what we do for people who develop apps, so the, the, the app developers, they probably know us from ProGuard. So the, the origin of our company of Godsway goes back to ProGuard, which is the open source tool that is part of the Google SDK for Android to, to minimize uh, applications. And on top of that, our commercial product DexGuard for, for Android was built. So what do we do? At the end of the, the, the development process, so when you build your application, we're going to uh, apply a lot of security rules. And it's not just one thing, but it's it's a lot of layers. And every, layers, every layer makes the other layer stronger. So we talk about uh, name obfuscation, string encryption, uh, asset protection, all these type of activities we do. I think a bit too much to go into detail right now of all these these things, but all these different layers, you can look at it like like an onion, right? and you have to peel really every layer off um, to, to get to the to the core to get to the code of the application. So what we do, you build your application. And that's by the way the job of, and, and it's it's not that developers don't want to add security, but they're also under such a pressure now and to in time and priorities, and that they need to come up with new versions and new functionality. So apps are getting bigger and, and, and they use extra external SDK. So also for these engineers and app developers, it's it's difficult to, to apply the right security, but we take care of that for them at the end of the build process. And then they apply uh, our tools, they inject code, we protect their code, and then they upload it to the Play Store. I'm not going too technical, too much in the video. We can do that maybe in, in the next conversation, Sam. Um, but much more important is once it's out there, if the customer wants, we can also uh, closely monitor. We can see where it's running and we can, together with the, with the developer of the application, we can also decide what the application needs to do when it detects it's running on a malicious device. So for example, if you're a bank and uh, your customer or your user launches the application on a jailbroken device, you can already choose that once he does that, for example, he cannot wire money anymore. Uh, he can check his balances, his accounts, that's all possible, but on a jailbroken device, he cannot uh, wire money. Some other customers are much more rigid and they say, no, if the application is opened on a malicious device, we want it to crash immediately. So on one hand, we give the non-security specialist the possibility of adding security, high-level premium security to their applications. But on the other hand, we also give them the possibility to tailor the behavior of the of the application based on the environment where it's running on. And that is very important, of course, because the application, the mobile application, has become a very important tool and a very important channel for every uh, customer-oriented company in the world as to create their loyalty and their customer experience and customer interaction. So it's important that the application is also fully in line with how the company wants to present themselves. Yeah, I, I and, and this is why I was hoping, it, now that you describe what do you do, how do you... Um, how do you approach this? I want to bring him back to, as you pointed out about zero trust. I think my personal experience is people um, follow, even for really good companies, they follow through. They understand the importance of understanding their core asset. They, they classified them. They know where they're at. They build out their, their threat models. And even to some degree, they understand their risk profile. Then they implement secure SDLC. And then they even have the right policy for, for handling of the binaries. 
and then they throw it out there and then they say goodbye. Right. They, they, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like wishful thinking. It said that's it, it almost it's it's almost mind boggling to me. It's just why people wouldn't understand that. It, it I, I I don't know if this makes sense to everybody, but I tell people that security is not a it's not a gate. It's not an iron gate, but it's a muscle. It's yeah. something that has to be on a data that you cannot just lock something up and assume that people can't break through anymore. That doesn't happen. It's not true never been and 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 would ne- never be true security needs to be almost like you know your muscle where you actually will flex will constantly move around and and, and it's, it's a dynamic push back and forth back and forth so what you're talking about around extending the visibility and the protection all the way out to the first touch point of a user which is the mobile application your iot devices your edge devices Extending out there so that there is a first guard, uh, first line of defense, but it's also allowing you to dynamically change that in the sense that you can watch it, you can understand it, you can see what's going on. I, I think it's a crucial tool that that I think a lot of people are forgetting because when they looked at you know mobile security, they, a lot of them just, just honestly they run through and they, they do the pen testing and they, they what they run and. It is they just look for okay? Did I expose a key in there? No, then you're fine. You know, don't worry about it. Did I, you know, did I did I store a plain text password on a on a you know on a local file? If not, then it's fine. Or did I cache it by accident in somewhere? Or, you know, that, then it's fine. It, it's actually much more than that. So I think I, I think that extending out past your deployment of your application to when the user is running actively, constantly running. I think that part has been an area that I, I really hope that the, you know, uh, everybody would would pay more attention to, and understand that that's a crucial part of your eyes and your ears to see exactly what's going on as as the bad guys and or your customers too using the tools and 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 what's really happening. Yeah, it is, and and we uh, to make it easy and and not too technical, uh, we always say there are two levels. Uh, are two types of protection you always need to have in your application. And that's what we call the static uh, protection and the dynamic protection. And and the static one is the one we talked about most today uh, until now is about protecting your your code and your application so it cannot be reverse engineered um, in an emulator or on a malicious device. And the second part, the dynamic protection, is also protecting your application against uh, influencing or changing its behavior while the application is in use. Now, very important, you can have static and you can have dynamic, it's both. You cannot just do one. And if you, for example, if you apply dynamic protection, but your static protection is not okay, well, it doesn't make sense because then these hackers go and look, they reverse engineer, they see how your dynamic protection works, they go and find the weaknesses and they will, will exploit them. So it's and dynamic and static protection that you need to do. And then, of course, these these layers in these two components, there are the different layers. It all starts, like you already said, it starts with application integrity. We have to help our customers with, for example, with certificate checking, repackaging detection, file integrity, making sure that when they launch the application, we're sure it's still intact and integer and it's the right application. And the next step, once you're sure about the application, you also need to be sure about the platform where it's running on. And you have different techniques like root detection and hook detection, debug detection, and so on to check that. And the next level then is the application code protection. What I already explained a bit like name obfuscation, call hiding, class encryption, and so on. And once you've done these, you can also have a look at the 
resource protection, the assets, the resources of the application. And then last but not least, when your application, when everything is done, the application is okay, the platform is okay, the code is okay, the resources are okay, then you start communicating to the server. And very often, one of the biggest misunderstandings and one that we hear quite often is, but our servers are well protected. Well, that's not enough. When when it starts with a mobile application, it's it's already far off your server. But then when it starts communicating, also that part needs to be uh, a part of your security policy and needs to be secured. There are uh, what we call the man-in-the-middle attacks, and there you have SSL pinning, WebView SSL pinning, and a lot of extra uh, levels to protect the communication from the application to the server. And all of these need to be done, not just one, but all, all topics I explained need to be carefully uh, handled and need to be taken care of. Otherwise, uh, people with bad intention will, will make use of the, the mistakes you create. If for nothing else, if uh, every all the all the items that you pointed out just now in the last two three minutes, um, I would strongly recommend everybody to to take those down. Almost basically spell out a runbook of what really needs to be protected out of the edge, and 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 this is true for the edge, and it's also true for the cloud now. To be honest with you, because what what we said about I think both you and I mentioned about the uncertainty about you know an application running on a platform. You can map that to a container. Think about it on a container. The same applies. You don't know what the container. You know, yes, you can run GRSec. You could you can tie up you can tighten up the symbol security across multiple containers and so on. But ultimately, from an application perspective, you can't trust a container anymore. You can't trust a virtualizer anymore. So, I think all those points that you listed out just now, it's a it's a wonderful checklist or or, or runbook for people who needs to secure their application. Real, I, I thank you so much. Um, I think there was so much more we could talk about, and I'd love to invite you and, and maybe some of your folks like Grant over to to talk more about about the specific techniques. I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in, and maybe do a more more technical session, if you will, um, and, and a deep dive as well. But uh, thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you for the invitation, Sam. It's, uh, I think it's important if we all can make uh, people who protect apps or make apps, by the way, if we can explain them the risks so they know they should do something about it, then we can all contribute to a, a much more uh, safer mobile world. And that's the goal, of course. Yep, completely agree. Thanks and talk to you soon, Ru. Thank you, Sam. This has been Silo Busting, a podcast from EPAM Continuum. EPAM Continuum integrates business, experience, and technology consulting focused on accelerating breakthrough ideas into meaningful impact. Why do we do this? Because real opportunities aren't siloed. Thanks to Sam Raymond and Rule Cars for their great conversation. Cheers to Kit Palalis, our sound engineer extraordinaire, for getting this podcast recorded. Applause to Ken Gordon, our producer, for all his masterminding behind the scenes. I'm your host, Allison Coton, and I'm off to reset all my passwords. <laughs>